Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good middle of the night, wherever you are. So first, I want to say thank you to all you everyday innovators out there. Our downloads, which means our listens, which means our impact has been, they've been going through the roof. Our numbers are incredible. So it makes me so happy because it means that more people are listening to everyday innovators out there making an impact, which is what we want. So Thank you. Thank you for downloading and listening. Thank you for recommending people, recommending yourself. Hey, if you're an everyday innovator out there with a great story, we want to hear it. I know you're out there. So there's a form on our website. Go fill it out. Now, speaking of gratitude and thankful, I am thankful for today's interview. So let me tell you a little bit about Nellie's everyday innovator style, and then I will have her introduce herself. So her two power triggers, which just to remind everybody, is your wellspring of innovation. It is how your brain is naturally wired to create a problem solve, strategic thinking, find solutions, find opportunities. It's how your brain actually does it. Our research, our neuroscience kind of comes together to understand what are those strengths we have. And the cool part is we all have them. They're all a little bit different. There's nine different styles that kind of create these cool combination. And Nelly's is inquisitive collaborative. So let me break down what that means. I want you as a listener to be kind of hearing some of these things I'm talking about as she's answering. So she's inquisitive collaborative. Inquisitive is all about digging deep, challenging assumptions, the innovations and the questions, not the answers. Inquisitives are really good at like asking, but but why is it the way it is? Or how is it this way? And while a lot of us like to sit on the surface, inquisitives tend to dig and dig and dig. The collaborative side is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create whole innovation. So I like to think of collaboratives as like, they love to gather, gather, gather from all these different places and then put the puzzle pieces together in a way that creates a complete picture. So the magic in that combination is inquisitive and collaborative. Is that, that means that Nelly brings deep, whole innovation to the table. And I'm sure we're going to hear about it in today's interview. So Nelly, welcome to the show. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you, Tamara. Actually, thanks for that breakdown because <laughs> you, it's like you were just talking to me. <laughs> so called uh, and was spot on, I think. Um, so I'm a CTO with 18 years of experience, and I work with startups as a technology advisor and an outsourced CTO. And I'm also the creator of TechSpeak for Entrepreneurs, uh, which is an online training where I teach and train entrepreneurs how to use these innovative methods in tech startups. Uh, the learn early, learn often, learn cheap is kind of at the core of what I teach. And I actually thought I was always thought I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> But uh, when we immigrated to the United States, I decided to major in computer science because the technology sector, this is early 90s, was booming. And I knew that as a techie, all techies would be in big demand. And it still yeah. is the case, which we can talk about as well. So I majored in computer science, but despite knowing anything about computers, and I turned on a computer for the first time, in fact, in my computer science class, and I thought... They were going to teach me how to use Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel. Like that's how clueless I was. 
Um, and, you know, I did that. And that whole decision completely changed everything for me. As they say, wow. the rest is history. I now teach a lot of non-tech entrepreneurs how to avoid costly technology mistakes and helping them gain the skills that they need to become more capable, more competent and confident entrepreneurs. And I can go deeper into that, but that's kind of the summary yeah. of uh, where, where I am right now. Just did a whole blog post on this about you can't beat AI and technology, right? We can't be more efficient. We can't be more processed, right? And all that, but we can leverage it and we can find a space that's for us. So I'm just curious coming from your perspective that that combination of tech and human and how you see them fit together? Oh, I think there's so many, I, I love AI and the promises of it. There's a lot, also a lot of problems with it because yeah. they, it's only as good as the information that you fit into it. And so if you give it biased information, which is our world is biased, you know, that's yeah, yeah. where the dangers are. But from an efficiency perspective, like you can't argue with yeah. AI. Like there's that no- That was my whole point. Like you meet, right? it, you'll and never so, be as fast as AR, AI, the baseline stuff. Exactly. So I love that fact of it. And so what I love connecting with is creativity and AI. Mm -hmm. So humans can, when they don't have to be boggled down with the manual tasks of like finding the gem in the gazillions of data points, then they can use that information in creative ways, right? So I think if you use AI properly, yeah. you can actually help humans become a lot more creative and take them away from the manual tasks that you know, like nobody wants to do anyway, right? Like that's the boring stuff. And that's not where you add value. Oh my gosh, we could have a whole conversation just on this. So like I, said, I just did this whole thing about that our value is creativity, empathy, and spontaneity, right? Those are the three things tech can't do right now and that we bring to the table as humans. And I love what you just said. And I hope everybody's listening to that kind of perspective of how great is it that technology does the baseline stuff so that I can do what I'm really good at. For you, what is a recent win or something that you are proud of? So I'll talk about TechSpeak. So TechSpeak for Entrepreneurs is in a program that I uh, launched because I just heard a lot of horror stories in, this is back in 2012 and a little bit prior to that at every single conference that I would go to. And I would talk to entrepreneurs. I would get a huddle of entrepreneurs around me sharing their horror stories of how they had an idea, predominantly non-technical entrepreneurs. Mm. Lots of people have ideas for how they can use it and bring it to tech right? And an app or some of some sort. And so they uh, trusted the wrong person or they talked uh, just, just so many different things, projects getting out of control and like thousands of dollars were being lost. And so I decided that after not being able to find any resources that I was going to take on this challenge, that I was going to start educating entrepreneurs because what I realized that hey, while there are bad actors in the world and they could take advantage of you, the only way they could take advantage of you is if you were not knowledgeable, if you didn't know how to set those expectations and or catch those red flags. And so I launched TechSpeak in 2012 and it was an in-person bootcamp that I would teach over 16 hours, which was a lot of fun, but also a little bit crazy. Um, and so the recent win, the reason why I'm mentioning it is because Post-pandemic, I decided that, and so many other things in my life kind of led to that, that I'm going to put this program online. And that was a complete game changer. I am now global. It's not event dependent. It's not location dependent. Yeah. And I have figured out how to scale myself. Finally, I can see like 
to help a lot more entrepreneurs and really give this opportunity to people, not just in the US or in the New York where I am, but uh, globally, anyone can just opt in and say, I'm going to learn this and I am going to empower myself. And that has been so gratifying. I'm still like so excited and exhilarated to actually grow this now. Well, kudos to you. That's fantastic. Um, and I, I do think, well, I would never wish the last couple of years on any of us, of course, I think it adds a has forced a lot of us to figure out how to scale, but also realize that there was a whole nother way of doing our business. that's actually better for us and better for the people that we serve that we hadn't tapped into before because we were too busy doing it right the other way. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Don't you find like a lot of ideas, they look really good on paper, but then you implement them and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that didn't quite work out as planned. Yeah, that's why I'm such a big freak about company values, right? You have to set them from day one. And again, those are the things, the tangible values that you approach every single project whether it's your company, even hiring, I'm a huge yeah. uh, believer in setting and knowing what specific values you need to hire for so much more than skill set, because that's going to transform and help with the decision making. Like you can even tell people you can make this decision and just be confident that they're going to make the correct decision without you being there 24 seven, simply because you hired certain types of people who have certain beliefs, certain characteristics, the DNA qualities that you can't teach, right? Those are the things that you can't teach. Um, So you can uh, scale yourself in so much better if you are focused on a lot of these qualities that 
um, are very, very hard to find. So that's a really interesting way to look at it. And I think that's a great challenge for all of us across the globe is to think about, okay, so a lot of us work in organizations and the company has values and those are important, but also like as a leader, what are my values or as a team, what are our values? I love the way you just said that because it's not just a matter of cohesion, behaviors, like, you know, being in alignment with each other. But I think what you said is hugely powerful. It's how we scale too and make sure things are getting done in the way they should get done when we're not around. Um, and I think one of the things I hear most in terms of burnout is like the I'll just do it myself problem. <laughs> and I think to your, but to what you're saying, what just kind of is clicking for me is a lot of time that happens because we haven't set the foundation of here's what matters to us. And if you, Nellie, make a decision that is, let's say one of our values, things that matters to me is like, is taking um, risks when it's the right thing to do, right? I'm all about that. Like, if you think it's the right thing to do, you should absolutely leave. But if you and I aren't in alignment of that, then you're not doing it. And I'm frustrated because you're not doing it. Or if you do it and it didn't work out, I still go, okay, but I get why. And that's, that part's a good thing. Let's figure out what happened. So that's the challenge, I, I think, for all of us out there, what Nelly's saying, which is so brilliant, is like, let's think about this as how do we scale ourselves so that we can build the teams around us that we need to build. Um, I love that. So share a story of something you did that's thinking differently, created a breakthrough, kind of a story of innovation with us. Yeah, I think uh, the, the story that I'm going to share is a story that I think was the pivotal moment for my career. Um, and it's... I started my career by accident in, I don't believe there's accidents, but it seemed like an accident uh, in going and working for a company called Web Girls International. This is in the early nineties when the internet just started out. We were at the forefront of the internet movement, the women's movement online. And I just like, from the moment I stepped foot into that uh, office, it was, was tiny and there was so much innovation and like people are so excited about work. Like I never thought people would be excited about work until I saw these people. Um, and so that's when I got the entrepreneurial bug. I loved them. And that's, that's what I did. That was my first internship and eventually turned into a full-time job. And I just fell in love with that way of working. And, you know, I was, brought up to working at a big company. Like that's when you've made it. When you worked for a big company, you had a stable job. And so after an I graduated- An office with a door. Exactly, an office with a door. Those, those were my big dreams. That's what yeah. I grew up with. And so when I graduated school, my parents were like, well, now you're gonna go get a real job, right? So I did, I got hired out and worked at a big financial institution. and the culture clash was cr crazy compared to like early stage yeah. entrepreneur startup where I was doing everything. I was actually and running it right tech department because, because the other people quit and yeah. I was the only one left and they gave me the responsibility because I said, yes, you know, like those are the types of opportunities that you can get once in a lifetime For simply sure. because you're like open to it. So 11 months later, I, I always say I lasted 11 months because I literally wanted to leave the next day, but I wanted to give it a chance. I'm like, this can't be like, I have to give it a chance. And I jumped at the opportunity when they gave me like a CTO position. Like mm -hmm. this is, think about this, like I'm in my early twenties. I obviously am not CTO material yet, but of course I said, yes. Like this was a once in a lifetime opportunity. I can grow into that role. That's what I was thinking. But every one of my peers, my parents, my family, like everybody thought I was insane. 
to leave a stable job with a, a whole lot of promise to go to this unproven thing. And, you know, like that was the pivotal moment in my career because I yeah, was it. able to learn so many things in such a short period of time. Like I said, anything that I would say yes to, I would get to do. And it made me a much more well-rounded person. Uh, it made me a lot a better CTO, right? And I'm able to do the work that I do now simply because I said yes to that. And I think the reason why I wanted to share that specific story is because there's so many undercurrents when we make decisions, how to go against the grain and like feeling in your gut, what is the right thing for you to do, whether it's, you know, taking yeah. your own risk or a career risk or a project risk, you like, you have to listen to your gut because those types of pivotal moments will could have the potential to change your entire project uh, trajectory of your life and uh you will like optimize for happiness right uh which is like there's no better optimization so um yeah that's the story i really wanted to share so i want to tell you something nelly there's something that you said that i really admire because it's a mindset thing and you said it a few times now in sharing kind of both of these bigger stories and you said it's about saying yes you that anything I said yes to, I got to do. And I think more often than not, a lot of us get really stuck in the like, first of all, if I say yes, all I have is fear of what I have to do, right? Or it's gonna add more work to my plate. If I say yes, I'm not ready. So then I have imposter syndrome. And you just came out all this stuff with like anything I said yes to, I got to do. Like it was a privilege to get to do it. And I agree with you, like totally agree with you. And I had in through my career, similar experiences where I was given opportunities that meant that I was pushed into doing things I'd never you know, done before and how awesome that I got to learn like how to do those things, right? But I think that's such an incredible mindset to have. And I want to encourage all of us out there to just start saying that almost as a mantra of anything I say, yes, I get to do. Because I think that you come at things with a whole different perspective when you do that. So I just want to say kudos to you because you said it very clearly in that story. And also you peppered it in. I don't know if you even noticed it, but in what you were sharing before too. Yeah, I, I think that's that has been, and there's a mantra that I have, never fear what you don't know. And I think like I'm a first generation immigrant. I came to this country with nothing. I didn't even speak a word of English. And I think the hardships that we experienced yeah. as a first generation immigrant really put things into perspective. I feel like it's a privilege to be able to do the things that I do because in my country, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Right. And I think that that perception and change of perspective is such a huge thing. Like I always thought to, when I, when I first came here, I'm like, how can American people think that they have challenges? Like I just used to be baffled by that. And I think if we make it, uh, put things into perspective for ourselves, when, whether it's a new decision or a new thing, like I don't know any of the answers when I say yes to the things. All I know is that I have this relationship with myself that I will work as hard as I need to. I will find whatever answers that I need to, and like, I'll figure it out. And that's the, I think that's the only thing that you need in order to say yes, because you will never be prepared enough. You will never have all the answers. And if you have this attitude that I trust myself to do what needs to be done. And, you know, like a lot of the things are not easy. Like nobody says, 
is saying yes is easy, but no, like having enjoying the journey. Like I love the journey of yeah. um, not hardship, but just accomplishing or overcoming something that's very difficult to solve. Um, that's what I love. And if we change the perception and just say yes, knowing that we can figure it out, it's a lot easier to do. I love that so much. So first of all, you said, let me make sure I might be paraphrasing here, but you said, I don't fear what I, the unknown. How did you say that? Never fear, never fear what you don't know. Never fear what you don't know. That totally speaks to me because I'll just own it. I'm all about problem solving and I'm pretty confident that whatever challenge you put in front of me, I'll figure it out. Right. That's the mindset I have. And I think, and you were saying that I do think when you have that mindset, you see opportunities to solve things. If your mindset is, I can't do it. I can't figure out. It's too hard. That's what you see, right? Like it's, you see the blue car. If you're focused on a blue car, it's the same thing, but I love that because I know I get a little wrapped up in my head sometimes where I start to have anxiety around what could be right. Or how it might turn out. And 90% of the time, those things never even happen. So what a bunch of wasted energy on my part. And I really had to work on that because I really do like, I could, I could go through a lot of scenario building in my head. That's like totally imaginary. So I love that. That gives me a little bit of a sense of, and hopefully other people, a little bit of a sense of ease too, of like, Hey, don't fear what you don't know. Like, what's the point? Because to your point, if you trust yourself to figure it out, you'll figure it out. And it becomes this I think wonderful self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think, I think a lot of people think that successful people have it figured out Yeah, and that they have it together. And and it's the opposite. Like the more successful you are, the more problems you have. And it's just like, you know, you just don't let fear stop you because no one has the answer. Your job is to figure it out because if people knew the answer, it would not be a problem. Exactly. You know, here's how I look at it with success too. I'm glad you brought that up. I look at it as, so my problems as the business has grown, my life has grown, my problems have just become different. What has stayed true and I think allowed for the success part to come in is that I, I do exactly what you said, Nelly. You said it so well, like I trust myself to figure it out. And I think that actually, if you looked at all the successful people in the world and people who are far more successful than me, like far more, I bet you that's the common thread among them is they have a confidence that they're going to figure it out. And that I think is actually what holds most of us back is lack of confidence. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So, oh my God, this is so good. Um, What's a big challenge you faced and how did you overcome it? I'm going to share a really funny story with you. (laughs) Excellent. I love to laugh. It's perfect. (laughs) So I was, I was talking about getting, getting lots of opportunities in, uh, in my early career. Yeah. And one of the opportunities was we just launched this big thing in the tech space and it was an amazing tool for our community. And so we went to our CEO and kind of started talking about, okay, what's next. And what he said to us was like, now you have to guys, you guys have to go figure out how to sell it. And like the first reaction was, sales what do you mean sell it like that's not my job that's that's like my inner voice talking and like I don't know anything about sales I don't even know how to do it or anything like that and so that was another pivotal moment like sales and getting into that there's so much fear and uh, anxiety and not knowing how to do it so I you know worked with our CEO we created a script I decided to learn it and so my first client or my, the first person I'm talking to 
you know, I took him through the pros and cons and all the features and the benefits. And, <laughs> and the question, my big close was, so what's your interest in our company? And, and he's like, um, you called me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was so like shocked that what like, I said, right, I was right, just right. like, um, what do I do? But what's funny is that I actually closed that sale. Um, but through this, like I share this story because that was such a scary moment for me. I knew everything about tech at, at that point in my mind. Obviously, you, know, you never do, but like sales was completely brand new to me. And I had so much fear around talking to people. I was an introvert. I didn't know how to do it properly. And it was just like taking that new skill head on was so life transforming because what I realized and the best way to sell is like I invented this. I don't know if it's a thing like transferring enthusiasm. It's taking your enthusiasm for whatever it is that you want, like your passion, an idea or something you want to sell, like whether we realize it or not, we are always selling. If you're trying to convince yeah. your boyfriend to go to a movie, this one or the other one, you're selling, like you're trying yeah. to sell your point of view. And so once you make this realization, like really getting good at the skill is so important. And the way that I say it is like you transfer your enthusiasm for whatever it is that you believe to someone else. And if you're successfully able to do that, you just made a sell. So that's a story that I hope will help other people become better salespeople because it completely transformed my life. Uh, I knew nothing about sales <laughs> and it was so shy. <laughs> it's so funny because I think sales, like if you tell people they have to sell, it's one of those things that either people are like, yeah, I love a good cold call or, oh my God, I would rather like do my taxes and quit coffee for a year. Like it, it, people have very different, uh, I think, reactions to sales. But what I really appreciate Nellie, about that story is um, you, you had to learn a skill that you didn't have. And, but that skill is so transferable to everything that you do. And I love that client of like, I don't know, you called me. I can't tell you the number of times in my early sales days where, you know, I call someone, I'd be like, what do you think? And they're like, I, I don't know. We've been talking for 15 minutes and you did all the talking. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So I'm glad you shared that. I, I want, so great. And I'm only laughing in camaraderie, just so you know. <laughs> Um, I want to bring it a little bit now, kind of like specifically to you. What does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? So to me, innovation means learning and experimenting quickly. And I think the, the, to do it every day means taking this large, complicated concepts and putting them into action. I think for a lot of people, innovation is something big right? It's something yeah. like you must be doing something big, but innovative ideas without actual proper action mean nothing. And so to me, figuring out every single day, how to take those big ideas and actually put them down into actionable things that experiments or whatever it is that we need to do and move things forward by actually doing something in that direction, that to me is everyday innovation. I think that action, like the idea, what is that old phrase? I, an idea is meaningless or worthless without action or implementation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it right, but you get the point. Um, I, I totally agree with you. And I think those, if I looked across a lot of the interviews I've done, experimentation is a big theme of like, 
it's trial and error, trial and error, trial and error and learning and learning and not trying to perfect the idea in the conference room, which is I think a mistake a lot of us make. I've seen it time and time again in, in my work. How do you how do you stay innovative on a daily basis? Like what are your behaviors, habits, routines that just keep you in that that state of I can figure this out? Yeah. Well, learning is a big part of it. Um, learning, 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 setting aside time to learn. And so I intentionally set my days where I can be curious. And that involves listening to podcasts and watching new things and uh, reading, uh, and both in my own industry, but also outside of the industry, because I think we so can important. learn so much of uh, different things that you can, innovative things that you can bring into whatever it is that you're doing. So intentionally, uh, filling up my brain with a lot of curiosity uh, and questions that I can ask. Um, so that's the first thing. And then th I think the other thing uh, for me is having enough space. And what I mean by space is like quiet time <laughs> to be able to actually do something and think about it. And I think so many of us on a day-to-day -day basis are reactive to the things that are on our to-do list or what other people need from us. And there's not enough time, quiet time where you could just reflect and think. And, you know, there's a reason why people go on retreats <laughs> so that they can completely disconnect from everything. And so some, some of the things that I do intentionally is time block so that I have blocks of time in my schedule, uninterrupted time, no phone calls, no uh, notifications, no, meetings, no got, got a minute type of things. Like I'm completely closed, closed off for those hours. And it has to be a big enough block so that you, you don't have to actually do anything. Sometimes inspiration doesn't strike, but like you need that quiet time to be able to create and think and be creative. So uh, those are the two tangible things. And I think if, if I'm stuck and like I, I have this time block and I don't have anything, like I can't do anything with it, um, I'll just go out and do some something unrelated to what I'm tasked with, uh, like go for a walk or uh, do something physical or you know anything to to relax my body because that oftentimes puts me back into flow. Let me ask you a question because I'm 100% with you and I just was having this conversation with someone about the importance of boredom and not consuming stimulus all the time because it, it when we're constantly consuming we don't have time to think right we, we need a chance to like consuming is great especially outside your industry I think it's really important but then you don't have that time to think you said but here's my question to you because I know I've heard this before people are going uh Nelly I've got a boss who wants me 24 7 like what do I do what do I do, right? If I'm in an environment where, where taking time off, and I say that in quotes, because I don't think it's time off, you're still thinking maybe isn't part of the norm of the culture isn't valued, or maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm a type A person like, like me and have a hard time with it. Um, what is your advice for getting that done? And I just, I want to throw this in there. I have to imagine, right, that once you set those boundaries with other people and explain it, they honor it. So, but I want to hear from your perspective of like how you set that as something that you are not willing to let go of. So for me, it's easy because I don't have a boss, right? Like I, I yeah. and, and for a lot of the people that work for me, it's a part of our culture. And I think if you are in a position where this is not practiced in where, wherever you work, you need to be the champion to make that happen. 
No one's going to come to you and say, here's three hours for you to just think (laughs) you have, if you really believe that you truly need this, you have to champion it. You have to uh, figure out how to make your boss see that, right? Become the salesperson uh, and sell the idea to them that this is what we need. This is what we need to be more innovative. This is what we need to be more sane or whatever it is that you want to say, right? And I think if you want the change and no one's in charge of it, you have to lead it. That's what I would do if I was in a company. Um, and And the reality is this. I was at a big company and I wanted to do the change. I was one of those people who fought every single day. I was like, we can do this. I had so much excitement, so much passion, but the culture of that company was just not like, it was just such, they just didn't want it. Right. And so if you are finding yourself in that spot where you've made the case, you've tried everything and you've tried to lead and it just doesn't happen. You have to make the choice. Is this the right place for me? And instead, like if you try to move the boulder and it doesn't move, you can move yourself out of that situation and go to another place where they value that. Um, And that's what I would do because sometimes, you know, like you can, you can try to move mountains and they just mountains won't move. Right. Um, So Hopefully that helps. But no, no, no. I, I'm smiling because I love it. Move the boulder or move yourself. That is like, I'm putting that quote on a sticky note and I'm putting it up on my desk because that is awesome. Because what I think is important about what you said is first you take ownership and you champion it. Um, and I'm going to add something to that, Nelly, because I think oftentimes what a boss hears is, oh my God, you're asking us to flip everything. I have no proof that this works. We got so much to do. But to your point about experimentation, what if I went to you as my boss, Nelly, and I said, hey, listen, I, I want to do two hour time blocks in our team where we have no meetings and we just have thinking time. We're not emailing each other unless it's like super like an emergency. I just want to try it for two weeks. I think it's going to make us more productive and more innovative and actually get to our goals faster. Like, can we play for two weeks and see if this works? And I think then in two weeks, you have the proof, right? People are happier, they're more energized, they're less burnout. out, the ideas are better, the meetings are more productive. You just have to, sometimes that proof has to come in a little small experiment, um, not just like, I just really want to make this happen, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Anytime you want change, especially in big organizations, thinking that you can do something or proposing something for two weeks or a, a very short period yeah. of time where you kind of do risk the opportunity a yes. little bit, the commitment, risk the opportunity. That's yeah. it. And, and it, 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 I tell that to entrepreneurs as well. If you want to be able to get a co-founder or an investor or anyone to listen to you, de-risk the opportunity for them a little bit. Try to figure out how to get some of that traction and proof points that this is going to work. And people are much much more likely to say yes to something that they can see and visualize. And it's not just um, a wild idea, right? De-risk the opportunity. I I have so many sticky notes coming out of this conversation. What's one piece of advice you have for all the different everyday innovators out there, all different types, but from your perspective as a collaborative inquisitive, what advice do you have to innovate, influence, make an impact the way you have? Well, I'm going to share my mantra again, which is never fear what you don't know, because that has that mindset. If you have that mindset, and I specifically will talk about tech, 
And I think technology ha will have so much more impact than yeah. it has already. Uh, COVID has accelerated the adoption of technology by at least five years. So if you are uh, facing yourself where you're not technical or you're afraid of certain things or you don't want to learn the information or intimidates you or whatever it is, like you're going to be left behind, right? And so take one step today. If you're listening to this, take one step today that you can commit to to getting yourself a little bit closer to what you're afraid of. That's it. Because that's how you make yourself okay with a very scary thing. I all like this, the, the other mantra that I have is learn early, learn often, learn cheap. This is the core of the process that I teach that can be applied to everyday life. That's the way I live my life. Taking big decisions big risks, big opportunities, they are scary. They create paralysis by analysis. They create fear. And you just can't take action when you have a big thing or a big decision in front of you. Figure out how you can break that up into smaller pieces that then you can take action on. Because every single action that you take, any step forward will give you data that you can use to make the, the next action, the next decision a lot better because the more data you collect, the better decision you can make. And so that's, that, that's how I live my life. That's what I would uh, recommend all people do, whether it's a startup or your personal life or your professional life, um, taking small steps to getting to your goal is going to be a lot more effective than just saying, I'm going to do this one day when I'm more brave, when I'm more ready, when whatever, those things never happen. You're never going to be ready. Um, just like if you had kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> no matter what age you are at, you're never going to be ready to be a parent until you have the kid. So um, never fear what you don't know and learn early, learn often and learn cheap. I love that. And I'm going to add, because you said it takes small steps towards what you're most afraid of. I love that. That's great advice to end on. So let me just throw in one last personal question, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? So I have practiced martial arts for the last 10 years. And I am so, so proud of that. I think every single person on the planet should go take a class. And if you, what it teaches you is so much confidence because once you get hit one time uh, with a glove, yeah. right. In a safe environment, you're like, Oh, when real life, things, little problems happen. You're like, I can handle that. And so I think there's a lot of parallels to that. And so, um, love that and would recommend any, any, anybody take that on, uh, as a great way to relax from the everyday stress lives, but also have a lot of fun and be fit. What is your martial arts of choice? Kung Fu. That's awesome. And I totally agree with you because I used to do Taekwondo kickboxing and boxing. And once you've been punched in the face a few times, a bad email doesn't bother you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying we should all be punched in the face. I'm just saying like, but you're, you're I, think it's, I think it's more like once you challenge yourself physically, yeah. the stuff in your day-to-day -day world that's like modern day boardroom problems becomes more manageable. Yeah, absolutely agree. And punching oh in the God. face is actually a good thing when you're prepared, right? Like you yes. are 
you know, it's in a safe environment and all of that. And the next time anything comes to you, you're so, you can see it at a mile away because you've, you've done it before. And um, there's just so many parallels to business that I can, uh, that I can draw. There was actually a book in there somewhere uh, that I think I, I just would recommend it to anybody there. I'm 100% with you. Nellie, thank you so much for joining us. This has been absolutely fantastic. Like I said, I have a wealth of sticky note sayings I now need to put on my wall as a reminder. So thank you. You are welcome. It was a pleasure tomorrow to meet you, meet you with you and uh, have a great afternoon. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.